0: Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions, brought to you by Brady Ware & Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality.
1: Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you the listener clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Bradyware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Bradyware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe in your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is, should I actively use LinkedIn? And um, you know, th- this is an, an interesting topic. I think from so many levels. Uh, one, the, the the pandemic has has created opportunities and necessities that I think are far ranging. And I don't need to lecture people by now. This is it's, at least here in the United States. It's been a year since this thing has really hit, and um, uh, we we know what kinds of changes that it has created. And one of them has been that. Um, You know, we're just not selling and marketing the way that we once were. Um, uh, That will likely come back as we enter sort of a a trans-pandemic and then a post-pandemic world. But for the time being, if you want to talk to people, for the most part, at least in in the United States, it's going to be in some digital virtual format. And and then when we consider that there's been massive displacement in our country and elsewhere um, with respect to employment, um, people are turning to LinkedIn once again in droves because that is at least one way that that you're going to get your next job, particularly if you're in a technical or a uh, or or a professional field. And and then finally, it's it's good to kind of touch base because you know the social media the social media landscape is 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 changing so rapidly and and evolving that you know, while LinkedIn has maintained its space and of course Facebook has maintained the space where it is in YouTube and so forth, yet you know, we're seeing, we're seeing new entrants such as Clubhouse. That is, uh, is all the rage. We're seeing the ascendance, uh, the ascent of, uh, of, of TikTok and so forth, which is setting the world on fire. And, and, you know, that's, that's probably going to be the way that things are for a while that we're going to have to kind of touch, you know, touch base and, Take a look back and make sure that things we are using are as 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 um, as useful as we thought they were, and that we're achieving the the same goal. So, yeah, I, I do think that that it's for, and for a lot of people, I still think they need to be convinced candidly that that LinkedIn is a viable platform. And I had a conversation with somebody not that long ago, and I will not sell them out here online, but you know, they did tell me sort of very dismissively, they thought that LinkedIn was basically a method by which or a tool by which their competitors could simply poach their employees. And that's a pretty cynical view, but it's not a uniquely held one. And so I happen to be a LinkedIn fan. I'm an active user of it. I like to think that I'm a power user, although I think our guest is going to find holes in the way that I use it because he's the expert and not mine. But we're very fortunate that joining us today from, Surfer's paradise, Queensland, Australia, and I've got to ask about that, is Adam Houlihan, who is CEO of Prominence Global. Adam is an international keynote speaker specializing in LinkedIn strategies for entrepreneurs and CEO of the highly successful LinkedIn agency, Prominence Global. He hosts arguably the world's largest free online LinkedIn training event with thousands of people registering every 10 weeks and is considered to be one of Australia's leading experts in harnessing the power of LinkedIn for business. Adam is also the author of three Amazon best-selling books, social media secret sauce, which I am reading right now, the LinkedIn Playbook, which I have read and led me to invite Adam to the program, uh, and Influencer, which is on the, which is on the queue. Um, Adam co-authored a fourth international bestseller: Better Business, Better Life, Better World prominence global is you'll find very different. They help their clients position themselves as industry leaders who are the envy of their peers. They developed a range of support services to cater to every need. They host free web events. They have a free community that you can join, a free profile optimization course, uh, an inner circle solo, inner circle academy, inner circle legends. And maybe Adam can tell us exactly what those mean. These programs are an intensive deep dive, a superb results-producing methodology that creates a cutting-edge lead-generation sales funnel for almost any industry. The difference is simply how much support you need from their team of dedicated professionals. Adam, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. And uh, very, very uh, uh, comprehensive introduction there.
1: So well done. Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you. That's probably a very kind way of saying, saying long-winded, but I'm just going to take it at face value. Um, so I... I I do want to ask you about Surfers Paradise. Are you a surfer yourself?
0: Interestingly, no. But uh, where I live is uh, is a bit of a surfing uh, surfing mecca in the world. It's uh, uh, it's kind of like uh, the the tourist capital of Australia, I suppose. And uh, fortunately, here in Australia, we uh, we can still travel around a bit, and uh, not so much you know international people, but. Uh, I yeah uh, I get to live uh, right on uh, about ten beaches within about a half hour drive, which is fantastic.
1: So I, I'm I'm curious. So you are able to travel fairly free, freely within the country, but uh, international travel, I guess, is shut down as it is in most places.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy to travel outside of Australia, but uh, we uh, fortunately we we seem to have the pandemic under control. This very few uh, cases here in Australia and uh, people can still go on holidays and travel around and our economy's doing quite well and uh, so we're very blessed to, uh, I suppose it's one of the advantages Mike of being an island nation in the middle of nowhere, it's, uh, it's easy to close your borders.
1: I suppose that's true. Well, well done and 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 bravo and hopefully we'll catch up to you guys sooner rather than later. So so Adam, I'd, I'd love it if you could tell us your, your origin story. How did you become Involved in LinkedIn. And then could, could you sort of take us to from, from that point to how you became one of the world's leading experts in the platform? Yeah, I'd love
0: to. Uh, so it all started about uh, 10 years ago now. And uh, I was actually, for the very first time in my life, I actually worked with somebody else. I was, I was running a, a company based here in Australia, but as a, a bit of a global player. And we were exporting. Uh, organic skincare products to about 65 countries around the world Mm. at that time i didn't really know much about linkedin or any other social media for that matter Uh, but what i did notice was that uh, we were doing a little research on why other companies in that same space around the world were were doing well and it turned out to be that they were really good early adopters of social media from a, a business perspective and that kind of piqued my interest on uh uh you know how that could be used for a really high quality business tool and so i just really immersed myself into learning about it and uh social media in general but the more i did the more i just personally resonated with linkedin it seemed like a very difficult uh, platform to master and it is um yet it just kind of made sense to me and so i just uh just kept trying different things and, and learning and uh and uh, I got to the point where, uh, as I said, this was the only time I'd ever worked for another company. And uh, I got to the point where I really wanted to get back into my own thing. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I'm doing pretty well with LinkedIn myself. We could probably help other people do that. So I started really as just a consultant, just myself, uh, you know, coaching a few people. And uh, and that uh, just keep you know, the interest in it was was. Uh, uh, surprising uh, and we just kept growing and growing and we had to keep adding team members to, to sort of deliver that and now we're a global team we have 18 people uh you know we have a team in north america in the philippines and uk here in australia and uh, we get to work with amazing amazing people all over the world and we just specialize in uh you know this beast of a platform for linkedin
1: so so what did it take to become to to go from from user to active user to uh, an expert was it intense study was it a lot of trial and error do you know people who wrote code at LinkedIn what, what did it take to develop that level of expertise that you now have
0: yeah I guess it's the, the old sayings like that you know the ten thousand hours of, uh, of uh, putting in your time uh, it's, it's one of those funny things like I often often get uh, uh, asked the question of like yeah, how, how did you become an overnight uh, expert and I said well uh, I didn't <laughs> I yep. did my time and uh, it's just uh, you know it's a lot of hard work and as you said a lot of trial and error and it still is it's uh, you know we, we have uh, people on our team that are data scientists and uh, all they do is is kind of monitor algorithms and, and what's working and what's not and and uh, finding patterns and, and you know commonality and things. And uh, as you're aware, you know not only LinkedIn, there were no social platforms really share their algorithms. Uh, so you know we just spend a lot, a lot of time you know, working this stuff out. And uh, and you know eventually came up with a, a process that just worked. And uh, and uh, we, we are fortunate enough to work with you know over 200 people around the world. And so we get to see it's not just now uh, where it's just what I see on in what I'm doing we, we get to see with the results of what you know hundreds of, of accounts are doing and of course that uh, exponential sort of uh, data capability is, is what helps us to, to really hone down on you know what what actually is a, a methodology that works
1: so of course LinkedIn is now one of many social networks um, what, what- what made you choose to focus on LinkedIn? And I mean, are you active at all on other social networks as well?
0: Uh, look, I have I have um, other accounts like you know Twitter and, and LinkedIn. Of course, sorry, Facebook and Instagram. But to be honest, I spend ninety five percent of my time on LinkedIn. And and I think the differentiator there is that you know, LinkedIn is very much it's whilst it's a social platform. It's very much a, a, a social platform from the business perspective, as opposed to, you know, many others have, have a more social, uh, they certainly have a business aspect to them. And there's certainly, um, you know, industries and uh, businesses that are better served by other platforms. Um, but, uh, you know, for the general SME B2B market, uh, there's, there's really no, no comparison to LinkedIn in, in my opinion anyway.
1: And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, um, how LinkedIn has managed to more or less preserve its status as a, as a network for professional as opposed to, uh, personal purposes. And, and one, one example I have is I'm sure you're aware in the United States, we have an unusually polarized political culture. I cannot remember my 50 years seeing anything like it. And even so, when when you see something spill over into, into the political on LinkedIn, it feels like nails on a chalkboard. I mean, it stands out right away. You can feel sort of the uncomfortableness of it being there. And there's something about LinkedIn, the culture, the users. I'm not sure, but they've managed to sort of keep it away. Whereas with Facebook and Instagram and the others, it really is kind of a free for all.
0: You're right, and uh, interestingly enough, it's it's uh, algorithmically. It's one of the things that, uh, LinkedIn sort of, uh, manage well. So, uh, it's whilst I wouldn't say you don't see any of that, that type of content on LinkedIn is certainly there. But the difference really is that they're suppressing a lot of that out of people's content, out of their, uh, feeds. Uh, so it, it whilst, you know, let's be honest, there's 750 million plus users on LinkedIn and Probably 95% of them don't really know exactly how to, you know, what is best practice and, and, you know, what works. And it's not uncommon that it gets used like uh, other platforms. Uh, The difference is, you know, that just uh, LinkedIn's algorithms uh, can can spot a lot of that and actually uh, cut it off before you see the high majority of it.
1: So you said something I wanted to I wanted to dive into a little bit, and um, you sort of answered the question. That is, it sounds like you think that most people are not using LinkedIn correctly, or at least anything approaching the fullest capabilities of the platform.
0: Uh, exactly, and uh, I would, I could you give you a, a, a more specific number than that. In, in my opinion, it's probably about uh, you know uh, the top zero point zero two percent. People uh, truly understand how how it to to leverage it to its greatest capability, uh, and are rewarded by you know uh, uh, it was interesting you, you sort of uh, mentioned earlier about uh, someone you had a conversation with that yeah uh, had that view that it was just a place to coach uh, uh, team members and things like that, and and I'm not saying that that type of thing doesn't happen it certainly does but the you know the real power of LinkedIn is um, uh, and uh, you know i'm going to get some i'm going to get some pushback on this one but uh, what i'm going to say is it's actually not a great sales platform and that's what most people are trying to use it for uh, and the, the people who truly get the results from it truly understand its power and not actually trying to use it as a sales platform however because they know how to do it well they get they enjoy more sales off the back of that process than than you know 98 or 99% of people on the platform
1: and I'm curious, you may not have specific insight, but I'm curious, do you think that LinkedIn was designed to be as complex as it is where there's only a very small number of intelligentsia, if you will, or or the Illuminati that really understand LinkedIn to its core? Is that the intent or is that something that's simply evolved over time um, as new ideas, new functionality, new data has become available?
0: Yeah, Mike, it's a great question, and I think the reality is, I think it's just evolved over time. And if you really go back to LinkedIn's early days, it really was a it was a job site, to be honest. It was like you you just um, it's place where you parked your resume. Uh, So it's certainly, and whilst it's still you know used for for job um, you know uh, placement, uh, and and very very well, some of our most successful clients are are recruitment agencies. But the uh, the reality is, and I, I think if you kind of put a line in the sand of where that really accelerated, it was probably around the time Microsoft shelled out you know twenty six billion dollars to to buy it. Yeah. Uh, now clearly a you know a company the size of Microsoft are going to have the, the resources and and uh, capability to to do whatever they wanted with the platform, and I think they've actually done more good than bad. However, as you point out. In that process, there has become a little bit of a uh, degree of complexity in um, uh, you know uh, how the algorithms treat different things that happen on there. And let's let's be honest; all platforms are, are algorithm driven. Yep. Uh, everything's algorithm driven. Uh, LinkedIn just is what we call you know—hyper driven by their algorithms. So the difference between really leveraging the platform well and not so well. Uh, is, it comes down to what we call algorithm intelligence.
1: Now, this may be an unfair question, and if it is, tell me, and we'll, I'll talk about something else. But I'm going to throw it out there anyway. B- because of that, I wonder what that what your view is on that complexity of LinkedIn relative to other platforms. Let's let's just say Facebook, for example. You know, Facebook can be used to accomplish something similar, but an entirely different way about it, entirely different business model in a lot of respects um you know in 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 your view assuming that you sort of were at a flat-footed start uh with knowledge of linkedin versus facebook or other platforms where do you think linkedin ranks in terms of complexity among the other platforms that are out there is it about average is it harder than most easier than most do you have an opinion on that
0: uh definitely uh i'd say it's definitely it's harder uh in you know um, Comparing to Facebook is is quite normal, uh, and if you like you said if you had that flat foot standing start, really the difference uh, that I would suggest is that with Facebook, uh, even if you had a flat foot standing start, yes you can do some courses and and you know, educate yourself on how the ad platform works, and the reality is the only way you can je- you can leverage real value from Facebook is is through marketing budget. Yep. So. If you don't have marketing budget, uh, then you can have all the, all the uh, know-how in the world, uh, but you're just not going to get traction on, on Facebook. Conversely, on LinkedIn, uh, if you invest that time in, in that same uh, education process, you can actually generate amazing results with no, no uh, budget. And you actually alluded to the reason, uh, which you said was that, you know, a difference in business model. LinkedIn's business model is incredibly different to Facebook. Facebook is a pay-to-play; it is just that simple. Yep, it's, it, everything's driven around the, the ad the you know, the ad platform. With uh, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn actually wants you know or generates the very high majority of their revenue through subscriptions, meaning that people have a subscription to uh, the premium platform, Sales Navigator recruiter licences and there's a whole bunch of other ones out there as well so they have a in my opinion a much better model because it's a recurring what we call a recurring profit model uh, they get paid every month you know regardless of uh, you know the, the value of ads they do have an ad platform as you know but it's it's really not the main driver of their, their revenue uh, so what they really want is you know amazing content creators so if you want to dominate the platform You've got to you've got to you know up your skill in content creation, and that's what they really want because they you know, they they want conversations that stay on the platform. They want it to be a place where you come to for um, you know if you think about why people go onto social platforms, in the simplest sense, it comes down to two things: they're there to be entertained or educated uh, or informed. So. Um, LinkedIn wants to be that place for education and information, not so much the, you know, the entertainment part of the process. Uh, and I think they've just done a really good job at doing that. But it's, as we we said, it's, uh, you know, getting the traction on that is, is not simple.
1: So you touched on, on something that I, I wanted to make sure to ask. And of course, LinkedIn now does have Fee based services that do something each one kind of does something a little bit different, which is interesting. It's not just a tier, but it's a scope. What's your view on the on the fee based LinkedIn services, and do you think that the typical power user would ought to, ought to at least strongly consider investing in one or more of those services? Uh,
0: again, it will if you're saying for a power user, then one hundred percent you are going to have to have a sales navigator subscription. Got uh, now in the US, I think that's that's around sixty-five dollars a month. It's around a hundred Australian dollars, kind of conversant the same thing, um, fifty odd pound in the UK, that sort of thing. So it's not a big investment. Like realistically, if if you're really going to leverage a, a you know a platform for you know high-level business uh, use and success, sixty odd dollars a month is is not a big investment. There are, as you said, there are other higher-level um, subscriptions, but the reality is, for the high majority of users, you can you can do incredibly well with that, you know, with that subscription.
1: What do you think is the most understood thing about LinkedIn?
0: What do what a lot of people get wrong? Most misunderstood, would you say? Yeah, most misunderstood. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's I think it, what it. The most misunderstood thing is that it's uh, there's this uh, belief that it's an amazing tool for sales, uh, and the reality is it isn't. Uh, what it is an amazing tool for is positioning yourself as you know uh, a, a subject matter expert uh, and using that, uh, that platform to reach out and, and educate and inform a marketplace that, uh, you know, leads to having conversations off the platform what the high majority of people are doing and, and as, as you mentioned with you know everything that went on in 2020 there was a massive amount of people that moved to LinkedIn some of them were already there but you know kind of uh you know, there's a lot of people that would have a LinkedIn profile because someone just told them they should have but they never really used it uh, so, a lot of those people started using that, um, that account or they came across, you know, to, to set one up for the first time. And through, uh, a mixture of, um, you know, uh, not really understanding how the platform works and desperation for having to, you know, develop a new business model of, of how to get, you know, into, you know, conversation, how to network, so to speak, um, They really missed the, missed the true, uh, uh, value of, of what LinkedIn's all about. And interestingly enough, LinkedIn actually had to react. There was so much, uh, let's, let's just say, um, low quality activity that, uh, they actually introduced a spam filter into even for messaging. So, you know, in the old days, well, when I say the old days, I mean like 2019, but, uh, you know, and even in 2020, a lot of people just thought that, you know, you'd connect with people and then you just kind of message and pitch them. And there's even these, these uh, you know, low-level programs around that you've probably seen that uh, say, oh, we can automate, you know, you're doing all this stuff. And uh, so LinkedIn reacted to that and they introduced these spam filters, which, again, algorithmically could detect a lot of this stuff. So a lot of people are still punching out all these uh, th- these direct messages and not realizing that nobody's actually even seeing them because they're just getting mm-hmm. directly converted into the spam filters. So
1: how much time does one have to invest to use LinkedIn in your mind properly? I know that's a loaded question because I think, I imagine your answer might be that theoretically you can invest every minute, every day in it. But from a sort of a typical power user's perspective that doesn't have... Doesn't have banks or armies of, of data analysts and and personal assistants and so forth, but somebody just says, "Look, I want to I want to become fluent in LinkedIn. I want to make it a big part of how I position myself in the market. How much time do you think tip, a typical person who wants to accomplish that needs to budget say on a weekly basis?"
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good question, and what I would suggest is there's a big difference between. Uh, the terminology you're using as a power user is, is going to be a different level of use than to, uh, the, the majority of people that just wanted to get some good results. What I would say is, you know, a power, someone that in that top 0.02% that we were talking about earlier, who are really doing this at a high level on a monthly basis, it takes about 75 hours per month of work okay. to make happen. Um, but the reality is that. You, know, you don't necessarily need to be at that level to get results and, you, know, you can certainly get results at, at a lower level um, and the reality is if you're very strategic with your time um, and you, you you sort of work to a plan uh, you can really get good results if, if you invest about an hour a day
1: okay so I mean it is something that realistically somebody could embark on themselves and 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 do
0: something useful with it sounds like yeah, 100. You don't look. You, know, you don't have to just be those in the power users to get results. It's it's not like a deadline in the sand. We're above it. You're getting results, and below it, you're not. Sure. It's just it's a, you know a, a um, diminishing sort of uh, level of, of result uh, you know, as as you tear down to that. But uh, look, we've we've uh, proven it many many times over with many people in like as you mentioned some of our programs, our solo programs. That's what it's designed for. Is hence the name solo it means do it yourself. Um, but if you follow the methodology and you, you diligently implement that, yeah, you know, that hour or so a day, uh, you, know, you can get you can get very, very good results. So,
1: when you embraced LinkedIn and you're moving towards expert, moving towards expert level, what was it about your LinkedIn experience that made you feel like, okay, we're we're this, I'm onto something, I'm successfully using this platform, and I'm becoming a power user. What were the things that what was the feedback if you will that LinkedIn was giving you that told you that you were really on to something and this is you're getting good ROI and your time invested
0: uh, there's probably two different versions of that there so uh, one one part of it for me was was actually being invited by Microsoft to uh, to become one of their their Australian based ambassadors uh, so obviously that gave me a lot of insight into, Intel into you know, it's probably levels that uh, many other people didn't get. Uh, I still regularly get uh, contacted by them for, you know, my, my thoughts and whatever on, on certain things. So that, that certainly is at a different level. But, um, you know, in the more, more general sense, I think it was just the uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I was able to take a company, a business, and in, you know, in fairness, I've, I've owned, you know, four or five companies Prior to this, um, I wouldn't say I'm a you know beginner as far as building a business, but I was certainly a beginner as far as building a LinkedIn business. Um, But how quickly we got traction and how quickly we were able to to get growth, and and clearly we were using our own um, you know our own sort of uh, IP, and we were using LinkedIn as the platform to generate all of that business. So so the 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 success we had from going from you know me being a, a single sole consultant to you know, a team of eighteen people. Uh, that's you know that, that was certainly a, a consistent journey, and that's that's still a growing journey now. So uh, that that was really the the validation for us, I suppose.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna steal one thing from 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 your book, and I hope that you don't mind, but I I just think it's a critical question for the podcast, and that is for for a LinkedIn user. What, what should be their KPIs or key performance indicators they're looking at to ensure that or track whether or not what they're doing is the right thing so that either they keep doing it if it's doing well or they do something else if they're not getting results? Realizing it's not a sales platform, so judging it by the number of sales you generate is neither appropriate nor fair. What would be the appropriate KPIs to look at as a, as a LinkedIn user?
0: it's a great question uh i I would suggest that it's still appropriate and fair to to um to track those sales conversations and conversions albeit that they happen off they should be happening off the platform but it's what you know the kpis are what what generates those conversations and sales on the you know the back so so really it breaks down to a a few key things it's not a lot of stuff that you you don't want to uh, you're know, bogged down in, uh, you know, spending all your time on, you know, analyzing, uh, metrics and whatever. But what you should be tracking on a regular basis is, uh, not only your, uh, your, uh, growth in, in first degree connections, but more importantly, it's the, it's the acceptance rate. So how many connection requests do you send and how many are, are being accepted? If that, if that's below 30%, then there's, there's a problem, you know, there's a problem there. It means that the market's not resonating with what you're doing. Hmm. It, it means that either your profile needs, you know, some work or your messaging and connection strategy needs some work. So that's the number one thing you've got to maintain above a 30%, um, you know, acceptance rate, whether, you, whether you send 10 connection requests or a hundred doesn't matter. It's, it's the, the acceptance rate that actually does matter. Uh, and then the the second thing is you should be uh, you you have to be creating content if you want to get traction on LinkedIn you've got to be a content creator so you need to be sort of uh, across you know what uh, what level of traction is that content getting so how many views are you getting um, you know and and where are those views are they uh, LinkedIn's trying to make a connection between your profile who you're connecting with and the content you're creating. And if they can understand that, then they're going to show it to the right type of people. So you've got to look at some of the metrics they give you on, you know, who is viewing your content and where they are, and is that aligned with the type of people you want seeing your content? So they're they're the two key key ones in that area. Uh, And then, of course, the, the, the final one, in my opinion, is how many people are willingly moving from LinkedIn into your database? Meaning your CRM, um, you know, your your email list, whatever. And, I'm, and again, I don't mean these cheesy sort of platforms and, and uh, bots and things that go and scrape a whole bunch of people's information and put it. That's uh, yeah. Apart from the, uh, the ethical <laughs> the, the issue of that, right. uh, you Now there is uh, you know, there is no no true um, credibility in, in what you're doing if you do that. Is how many people are willing to go from your from your know, interaction with you on LinkedIn into your into your CRM, and then of course you know so the growth in your CRM that's specifically attributed from LinkedIn, and of course then how many how many uh, how many sales conversations are you generating off that 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 process? Because clearly that you do need to have a sales process that is part of your LinkedIn sort of uh, strategy. It's just that it's going to happen off off LinkedIn, but you still need to know what it is. It's still, it still needs to be world-class, and you still need to be able to track it.
1: So you mentioned a couple of things that I thought were, for, for me, they're extremely great takeaways from the book, and one of them is that LinkedIn use is, is active. It's not passive. Um, and 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 I imagine, and please correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I imagine a common a common mistake made about LinkedIn is you put up your profile and you just – you sort of you you wait you aggressively wait for people to follow you or right, and connect with you and and that that's probably not particularly effective and and then the second is is to is is conversion which i hadn't thought about until you mentioned it until you, i read your book which was you you need to then take a next step to get people to agree to get off of linkedin and on to something kind of more proprietary that you can control and have more direct communication with the um uh, with the user and with your network.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, the only thing you truly own and control is your website and your and your database. Uh, all of your social platforms, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Clubhouse, any of them, you actually rent access to those. You, yep. you have no you no know, actual say in what happens. You you may leverage it better than others, but you're still at the mercy of you know the um, those who control all of that as to what happens. And I can tell you, you know, every week if we get contacted by people who've lost their link access to their LinkedIn account for numerous reasons and said, oh, this was my this was my main source of, of lead generation, I've just mm-hmm. lost it, how, how do I fix that? And, uh, you know, if, if you've been, one, you know, to to have lost it you must have been kind of doing something bad anyway but the reality is that uh you know if you've been building your database off linkedin and you've got a lot of activity happening there it shouldn't mean that it should be a blip in the road it shouldn't be the end of your you know the the detriment of your business so
1: how are a lot of people misusing linkedin what are most people doing wrong that they think that they're doing right and they should change right now
0: yeah it's, it's a how long have we got? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, the, the let's work, let's work on the eighty twenty rule. Let's let's work on okay. the twenty that are eighty percent of the outcome. Good. The uh, the, look, the the first the first thing is is in their messaging strategy. So it's that uh, you know that uh, spray and pray approach. You know, it's connecting with everyone and everyone, uh, and then you know just pitching. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've you've had it. Uh, happened to you on plenty of times, Mike, where you connected with somebody, and the very next day you get some sales pitch about, you know, I, th- I think your background is being an accountant, which uh, in uh, in your world would be fine. But just recently, I I had somebody connect with me, and then uh, send me a, send me a message uh, about uh, saying we have got the most amazing program for for accountants. Uh, true story. And uh, we'd love to help your firm to, um, you know, uh, generate new leads uh, for for um, you know, uh, you know, for accounting purposes. And I went, well, great. Except we're not an accountant, <laughs> right? You <know? laughs> so you know, it's this un uh, sort of untargeted process. So you know, it's what we call spray and pray. It's just punch it out to everyone, whether they're interested or not, hoping that one percent of those people would uh, would you know engage on that. And the reality is, is the uh, if you got a one percent actual um, conversion on that, you'd be doing incredibly well. Literally, if you think that through, people say, "Oh, one But but you sent out hundred messages tomorrow and one person engaged off that, I think you'd be happy. If, if, you, if you got one, like, oh, great! I'm going to do that every day. <laughs> so, and I would do. But uh, the reality is, it's way, like way, way, way lower than one percent. Uh, you know, it's like less than one in a thousand. So you know uh, and the point though is that you know, if you got 1 in 1000 you've also really annoyed 999 people so it doesn't position you as someone with credibility and authority and uh, that sort of thing so that's the, that's the, the big one uh the the secondary one is their content strategy so uh they're uh, you know pitching using it like um yeah, they've probably got a Buffer account or Hootsuite or one of those uh, scheduling co- platforms, and they're punching out the exact same content across multiple platforms because somebody said it was really cool to do that. Uh, the reality is that LinkedIn doesn't like content that has, you know, like links to external content. So if you're linking, if you're sharing content that takes people off the LinkedIn platform, doesn't matter where you take them, it's, you know, whether you go under your website or a landing page or, I mean, you could you could write a, a post and, and uh, link to a, an article on LinkedIn's blog and say, so well, this is the greatest piece of content ever created and everybody should read it, LinkedIn will still suppress it because you know their, their bots and algorithms are not looking at what the content is. It just says, does it have a link there? Yes, okay, this is not quality content. So, and I guarantee you right now, if you went and scrolled through your LinkedIn profile, you wouldn't have to go past two or three before you'd see one where you've got exactly that type of content. But the interesting part of that, Mike, is that even though you see that one, uh, there's, a, there's a hundred for every one you see that are being suppressed that, that you don't see uh, because their algorithms are just filtering them out.
1: You know, that, that, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I tend to rely on, on outside information. Um, when I do my posts, I happen to have a chart of the day and I don't write these charts myself. So I want to give due attribution to the people that created it. And, um, uh, I, I do link and that probably is, that probably is undermining my, my visibility, but at the same time, since I am in effect ripping off somebody else's content, I feel like that's a price I have to pay ethically <laughs> to, to, to give credit where credit is due,
0: frankly. <laughs> Uh, and, and and you're right. I mean, if it is someone else's content, you should be doing. that. I mean, you should be attributing them or, or um, you know, giving them the, the kudos for it. The probably the uh, the message here is it's not really the best use of content for LinkedIn. You yeah. you want to really get traction. You need to be the author. You need to be the creator of the content. You need to be the one with the opinion um, that. Uh, and and you, you again just sort of touching on something you said earlier about the political scene in, in the US uh, with the polarisation, the, uh, it's very, very true, um, is that, um, you know, you actually, in some ways, you can use your content for polarising an audience in a positive way. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, there's, there's thousands of people potentially viewing that content not every one of them are going to be in, in alignment with it. So, so by having a bit of an opinion about something, you can polarise an audience uh, and, you know, the ones who are not your tribe, so to speak, say so, and then you know the ones who are, so you, you keep sort of, you know, interacting and engaging with those ones. Uh, I'm sure uh, your, um, your uh, previous president, let's just say, uh, was very, very good at, uh, polarizing, uh, audiences, but he was also very, very good at then leveraging the, the part of that, that market that did resonate with his message. He wouldn't have been president if he, if it hadn't been. And, uh, you know, it's the reality is that your content strategy really has to be as you, the author, more so than up someone else's content. Because basically, what you do is transfer that authority to the author of that content.
1: Right. We're talking with Adam Houlihan, CEO of Prominence Global, and the topic is: Should I actively use LinkedIn? Um, we just have time for a couple more questions, and then we have to let you finish uh, your day and uh, your at least a nominal work week. Um, h- how do you keep up with all the with the LinkedIn algorithm changes? You know, the, these these algorithms change. With some kind of periodicity, and if you don't keep on top of them, you very quickly fall out of date. How, how do you stay on top of it?
0: Uh, yeah, well, for us, it's not not difficult in because we have a team of people that that's their job to do that. Yeah, I, I, I'll be quite open and honest with you. It's not me sitting there doing, <laughs> doing the whole day, um, but uh, so for, for us with the you know the size of the the, the company that we are. Uh, We have that ability to do that. For an individual to do that, I I would suggest it's near impossible um, because it's also, uh, and I often see this uh, on LinkedIn, and I shouldn't laugh when I say this, but I often see people saying, I've tested this and it works. And, you know, I would say, well, how many accounts did you test that across? Oh, mine great <laughs> you think that, that you think that means it's the same for all 750 million of us on LinkedIn I guarantee you it isn't uh, and uh so so to really do that effectively uh you need a much much wider um you know test base than one single account so be very very careful of uh information that you see that suggests that this has been well tested and proven if it hasn't been well tested and proven across 50 plus you know linkedin accounts
1: so as we as we wrap up here i suspect at least some of our listeners are thinking about they're they're thinking very i think critically about their linkedin profile right now what's what's one thing you you'd suggest that people go look at first just in their linkedin profile to to make it more attractive to make it more impactful on the platform
0: Look, the, Mike. The, the easiest thing would be go on our website. And we have a we have a free profile optimization course there. Over seventeen thousand people around the world have used that to improve their profile. But again, the eighty. If we do the 80-20 rule, you've got to have a you know, you've got to have a really good background image. You've got to have a good profile image. Uh, you've got to have written your about section, you know, the thing that talks about yourself, you know, really really well. Uh, but what is really, really well, uh, it's, it's well documented and outlined in, in that free course. And I highly recommend that, um, you know, uh, I guarantee you, just, if you implement what's in there, it will immediately put you in the top 5% of that 750 million profiles.
1: Adam, this has been been wonderful. And I cannot thank you enough for being so generous with your time. If, uh, if people want to contact you for more information, or maybe your organization, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Uh, one, you know, obviously, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So uh, if, you, if you go, if you're going to connect with me, though, make sure you leave me a message and say, Hey, it was on Mike's podcast, and, uh, uh, and I want to connect. Otherwise, I probably won't accept it. But other than that, just go uh, even to my personal websites, adamhoulahan.com and you know you can link off to our company site and everything there.
1: Well, very good. That's going to wrap it up for today's program. And I'd like to thank Adam Houlihan so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Bradyware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.